The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Daniel Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to This Is Working. On this show, we talk to leaders who change our world and find exciting ways to shake up their industries. Today, my guest is Bobby Brown. Bobby founded her first makeup line in 1991. She was fed up with the heavy 80s makeup look and wanted something different. So she invested $5,000 to create her namesake beauty line, Bobby Brown Cosmetics. A few years later, she sold the line to Estee Lauder and stayed on to turn it into a billion dollar brand. In 2016, Bobby left Estee Lauder and pivoted away from cosmetics entirely. She became a certified health coach and started a related company called Evolution 18. She and her husband even opened a hotel near their home. But Bobby was never about to leave her roots. When her non-compete with Estee Lauder ran out, she immediately founded a new makeup line called Jones Road Beauty. That was October. The pandemic was in full swing, but nothing was going to slow her down. Bobby is excellent at weathering changes and taking chances, and that's something we can all learn from. Here's our conversation. Talk to me a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, about what the last 18 months have been like. How did you do during the pandemic? Well, on a personal level, I spent most of the pandemic in the Hamptons with my family. There were seven of us in the house, and it was very interesting. It was amazing. It was challenging. And you know what? It's something that I would never you know, imagine, but I'm so grateful I had all that time with my family. One of my kids got engaged. One got married. Now I have another engaged one. One graduated college. And, you know, always my work and my home life kind of meld together. And that works for me. So you said you had how many people in your house? I think we had about seven. I have three sons. We had an engaged son, then another engaged son, then a nephew, then a college kid. So we lived together. And every night was like Saturday night having these big dinners and, you know, and cocktails. And it was a lot of fun and a lot of work. I never cleaned so much in my life. <laughs> so during this time, you launched an entirely new brand. Before we even get into that brand, can you just explain how you have handled work and life when you have seven people around? You I assume, you know, like the rest of us, you have to go try to find a corner to work in or you're closing doors and asking people to stop being so loud. What was it like? Well, you know, it's interesting. My entire career has been balancing my family and my work. I, you know, I had a full-time job, but I started working a couple days a week from home. You know, I had three kids. The first kid was born when I started the first company. So I've always figured out how to kind of make my lifestyle work. And I think now hopefully everyone is catching up, realizing what's really important and you just figure it out. And if something doesn't work, do something different and fix it. All right, let's talk a little bit about Jones Road Beauty. When you launched this brand in October 2020, you were coming off a non-compete. You had sold your company to Estee Lauder in, in the mid-90s. You worked there 25 years, and then you had a non-compete that stopped you from launching anything in the beauty business. What was that like before you could launch this? How, how was it as an entrepreneur knowing that you couldn't do what you love doing? Well, probably not easy. When my husband and I sold the company, we were in our early 30s and we had a 25-year non-compete, which at the time I said, well, I'm never going to work when I'm in my 60s. But guess what? I'm in my 60s and I wasn't done. I didn't know I wanted to go back in the beauty business. I didn't know I wanted to start another cosmetics company. 
But I realized that's where my heart is. That's where my passion. And I knew I had something else to teach and some other things to create. So Jones Road Beauty was launched the day my 25-year non-compete was up, one week before the presidential election, in the middle of everything, the pandemic, Black Lives Matters, everything. Everyone said, you're crazy, don't do it. And I did it because that was the date I was working towards. And it's been an incredible year with a young team. And we've been mostly launched from our bedrooms. And now we're back in our office a couple days a week. You got to be open and you have to shift. Can you describe the company? Right. It's so different than anything I ever did because I did not want to, you know, repeat anything I did. I did one thing and now I'm doing something different. It's a direct to consumer brand. It's a clean brand. The aesthetics of the brand is very much just looking fresh and natural. To me, it's the ultimate no makeup makeup. And it's just simple ways to make people look better effortlessly. And true story, I live three minutes from my office. I did my makeup literally driving over. Uh, you know, I don't wear a lot of makeup, but I just believe that people want to look better like themselves. And most of us that are home on Zoom all day or just doing something, you just need something. You need, and you need it easy and you need it simple. It's not complicated. And I really have a lot more to share and do. And I don't play golf and tennis. So creating companies is my passion. Considering that we are living our lives so much like this, talking to each other on the camera, you have people not showing up in offices now or showing up one day a week, couple of days a week. All of that has changed. Did you change at all how you thought about Jones Road Beauty since the world changed as you were developing the company? I don't think so, but I think I got really lucky because it's not just me that wanted to do this kind of makeup and wear this kind of makeup. So many people that were at home like didn't realize this is what they've been looking for their whole life. They didn't want the heavy foundation, the contouring, the over made up. And you just want to look and feel better instantly. It was really timely. And, you know, looking back, people think I probably am much uh, smarter than I am. But really, I, I do think I got lucky. And I think people are catching up with the way I've always liked to be. Is there any other change you made because of the pandemic? Or is there something that you wanted to do with the launch that you weren't able to do or something that you are capitalizing on because of how the world works now? Well, because of circumstances, I couldn't have a launch party. I couldn't have a press party. I ended up filming the Today Show from my couch. They did a five-minute piece. I was on Elvis Duran the day it launched from my bedroom, basically. And Wall Street Journal did a story which was amazing, three great things. And then instead of you know having a big party tying bows, we sent little boxes to the same people that we would have invited to the press party. And it was easier. And then I did, instead of desk sides, I did Zoom sides. Honestly, Dan, I've done it both ways. The amount of money that I saved doing it this way, the amount of manpower, I think it's you know more return doing in this way because you reach a bigger audience. Was it hard to not have your name attached to the brand this time? Well, no, not at all. First of all, everyone knows what everyone does. You know, I go on, uh, you know, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram lives and, you know, do my makeovers with friends of mine that are stuck in their homes and their board and, and everyone gets to watch. So my audience, my, you know, my group that I go to that tells me what they like, what they don't like, you know, they're right there in the comments. And I love 
reading them and I, you know, I enjoy answering people. So it's just a great way to reach a consumer, you know, to certainly reach, you know, or reach or get any kind of information instantly. Do you use any of that to help you with your roadmap? Does it also help you figure out what's working and what's not working? Or is that really coming from your team and internally what you know works? When I knew I had a success, and I remember telling my husband that, you know, I was I was nervous. Any founder that doesn't admit that they're nervous about doing something, because, it do, you know, there's a chance it's not going to work. Hmm. But when I started reading the comments of the women that were actually getting and trying the products, I was blown away. I was so excited. And that is such important information. While I have my, you know, brilliant general manager who's dealing with all the numbers and profits and all those things and opportunities, I have one-on-one information. I don't have to wait for a team to get focus groups. I have it right in front of me. I think it's such a gift for any founder to realize, use what you have in front of you. That's number one. We'll be right back with more from Bobby Brown. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Let's resume our conversation with Bobby Brown. You're running really lean this time. I mean, instead of being at Estee Lauder, I think you have a 12-person team. Is that right? That is correct. And, you know, when I get frustrated how long things take, or how much I have to do where I used to have people to do it, I realize how much happier I am now. There's no layers. I'm the boss again. I can't help it. I like being the boss. I don't really like being told what to do. I'm open to what people are saying on my team, but I kind of know what I I really believe in and what I want to do. But you know what? It's so much better. It's like we don't have the big budgets. We don't have the meetings. We don't have all the things that were actually like a lot to deal with. Now it's, oh, what do we want to put it in? We launched our face pencils and we put them in a stasher's bag, good for the environment, put it in a, you know, a a biodegradable box, sent it out. We didn't need any stuffing and it was just perfect. So we're doing those kind of scrappy things that I think makes the brand look interesting and cool. 
you've also gone direct to consumer this time instead of having to work with retailers and do road shows and spend six months while buyers figure out whether they want to stock you you're in control of your entire stocking and, and, and retail operation what's that uh, direct to consumer model like what have you learned about doing it and then i also want to talk about what this means for the economy when people can run these companies in the way that you have much more nimbly well, I think if people will realize what they can do and not always see things as a roadblock. As an entrepreneur, I'm someone that when other people see roadblocks, like, and, you know, things aren't going to happen, I, I find it as an opportunity to do something different and try something. It might work, it might, might not work. But, you know, I do think that in this day and age, there's no, there's no rules. And the difference between direct-to-consumer is, if something doesn't arrive at the, you know, at the warehouse on time, guess what? We won't launch it. We haven't promised retailers we're launching it. We, I haven't even told the customers yet until the day I launch it. So what? We'll launch it next week, or maybe the team is overwhelmed and busy. We'll launch it in two weeks. Like we make those decisions. And one of my favorite stories is our number one hero product is called Miracle Balm. We sold out in three weeks. We thought we'd have enough for six months. So I went on our social and told everyone. And like we had a huge waiting line. And about a month later, we found 3,500 sitting in the warehouse. And my team said, there's no boxes. We'll order boxes. I said, don't wait for boxes. Go to the store and buy white sandwich bags. Let's put it in the sandwich bag and let's just sell it. We sold all of them in one day. That's, a, big, a big company could not do that. No, that's a great story. What would have happened at Estee Lauder had you wanted to do something like that? Well, any big company, you know, first of all, they probably wouldn't have been 25 or 3,500 sitting without boxes. Like someone would have figured that out. And, you know, it would have taken a long time to figure out what to do. So everybody jumped quickly. And my team, you know, we printed the ingredients on a card and we put it in and we got a piece of uh, really cool neon tape and taped the back of it and sold it. No one, people were probably happy they didn't have to throw out a box. You said that in another interview that you would never want to be part of a billion dollar brand again, because quote, the fun things go away. What are some of the fun things that you're talking about there? Yeah, well, it's really funny because my friends in finance, when they read that in, in, you know, I think it was Financial Times, they're like, don't say that. You could be a billion dollar brand. I'm like, all right, maybe I'll be a billion dollar brand, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sell it to a big you know, a big company and, and still be there. So, you know, what are the fun things? I mean, this is fun. You know, what else to me is fun sitting with a bunch of people and creating products and coming up with ideas and just getting things moving, you know, to me, like things have to move. I don't have a long attention span. So three years to get something out the door was not the way I liked it. Now it's what it's, Four months from idea to, to getting it to the consumer, four months. This idea of every time you hit a roadblock, finding something new. Are you training your team how to react that way? Do you think they're waiting for you to come up with this idea of how to get around roadblock? Or are you hearing them at this point come up with ideas also based on how you're reacting to when you see problems? You know, I challenge my team and my team is really young. There's not that many people over 35, maybe over 30. And I have some, you know, of my best employees who are in their early to mid 20s. And honestly, like 
not having been burned or beaten or, you know, whatever happens when you have these, you know, decade long jobs, you've got this freshness. And yes, what they don't have in experience, they definitely have in, in excitement and openness and willingness to, to learn things. So, you know, it takes a while to get people working and understanding the way you work. You know, in the beginning, it might've been a little challenging, but it's been about eight months and I love my team. Anything that you are learning from them or from others as you launch this new company in a new environment, whether that is the hybrid world or whether that's DTC, is there anything that you are either getting mentoring on where you're saying like mm -hmm. someone else has to teach me how this works today? What are some of those areas? Well, certainly brands, like understanding other like-minded brands, because one of the ways that we're promoting, you know, Jones Road is by doing partnerships with other brands. And they come in with these brands. And sometimes I'm like, I never heard of them. I'm not sure. And, you know, they show it to me and I'm like, all right, that's really cool. And other brands that I might think are really cool, they don't. And, you know, probably the biggest difference is when I start referring to either, you know, movies or or very well-known icons and celebrities, they've never heard of them. I mean, there was one girl that never heard of Bob Dylan. So, you know, that that's amazing to me. I mean, that just feels wrong. I feel yeah. like no matter what age you are, it's probably yeah. important to know Bob Dylan. You know, it's very funny when you look back, so much has been written about you and your history and how you got your start the way that you broke through was by saying like the way that the industry works, that the makeup industry was working was not who you wanted to be. And it didn't feel like what the times were saying. Do you ever worry that you don't have that same pulse on what people want? Or how do you make sure that, that you do have that? Or, do you, or is it not important because you know right. who your customers are? Yeah, no, it's really important. And it's really important to be open. I am really open to what is new, what's different, how you do things. I... I certainly get energized when I hear ideas or possibilities that make no sense, but they then they kind of make sense. You know, I'm also a sponge. I love learning what's new and what's happening. So you can't be successful in this day and age unless you are open to what is going on. And you, you, you know, you read everything. And if you don't read, you see everything. You know, there's so many digital, you know, magazines and sites that how my kids, you know, who are between 23 and 31 get their information. So you have to, you know, as, as someone my age, you have to be open and you have to just like check things out and, and learn from it. Yeah. I have to say that I, I get a lot of my information, stay in touch through my three boys. Yeah. Very similar. It's like, Oh, wait, do you like that? Why do you like that? Ah, mm -hmm. now I, I, these are the brands that matter. This is how people are, are sharing this information. I have to make sure I'm staying up with that. Yeah, um, that's what I have too. So yes, there we go. I think yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Um, would you talk a little bit about any advice that you, you must have entrepreneurs who are constantly asking you for how to either break into the beauty space or just how to be a good entrepreneur? What kind of advice do you give? Well, for the new entrepreneurs that want to break into it, you know, I'm all about telling them that's great. I'm glad you want to do it, but you have to know what you want to do. And when you do it, make sure it's feasible it's profitable and people actually like it. And that's your research. But for other entrepreneurs, and I have a bunch that I mentor, I'm constantly listening to them freak out and worry and anxious and things are working, things aren't working. And I always do the same thing. Stop. Let's just for a second, pat yourself on the back that you're, we're actually having this conversation, that you have this business and just 
push yourself back sometimes and look at everything and then just try one thing. That's not working anymore. Okay, try something else. So there's a lot of angst that goes into being an entrepreneur. So you have to learn how to manage it. I learned because I have a husband that is the one that says, okay, calm down. Let's just talk about it and look at it. So now that I'm experienced, I could tell that to the young people that I mentor. Great. And then any career advice that you give people, let's say that you don't want to be an entrepreneur, but just trying to make it in the working world today. What do you tell people? I mean, honestly, guys, you have to be on time. You have to be honest and you can't be afraid. Meaning you can't be afraid to say, I don't know how to do something or I'm having trouble doing this. I could use your advice on this. You have to be able to, you know, be more confident and not be so afraid to ask the questions. It's, it's the people that pretend they know what they're doing and don't. That is a bigger liability than the people that are actually saying, I'm not sure. I'm sorry, did you say be on time? Was that the first part of that? Be on time. Yes, be on time. Wherever you're going to go, be on time. And you know what? Be a little bit early. Hmm. Be a little bit early. You know, like all those things. Don't be running in the second a meeting is starting. Be on time. That's great. That was entrepreneur Bobby Brown. To check out what she's doing now, visit her profile on LinkedIn. She is constantly posting. Or check out jonesroadbeauty.com. Bobby and I shared how we keep up on the latest trends. Like I said in the interview, for me, that comes from my three sons. Thanks to them, I'm an expert on reels versus Instagram stories, random YouTube creators of the day, and exactly what I'm saying now that is totally cringy. Who keeps you up to date on things you might otherwise miss out on? How does that help you in your career? Let me know over on LinkedIn using the hashtag thisisworking. You might see us use some of those thoughts in LinkedIn news stories. As always, to get more news and insights on our changing world, you can also follow our main LinkedIn page, which you can find by searching for LinkedIn News. Please share this podcast with a friend and be sure to review it. That's how podcasts spread. I think this episode is particularly useful for anyone who thinks they're too old to start a second act. It certainly hasn't slowed down Bobby Brown. This is Working as a production of LinkedIn. The podcast was produced by Sarah Storm with help from Taisha Henry and Michaela Greer. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original video and audio. Dave Pond is our technical director. I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's editor-in-chief. Stay strong. See you soon.